The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to Ryder Cup Weekend and the 165th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, later in the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week was an easy one, watching Derek Jeter last night win the game with a walk-off single in his last at-bat in Yankee Stadium. And Jeter truly has led a charmed life. Uh, never more in evidence than last night, where the Yankees are winning by three runs in the top of the ninth. And everybody's wondering, are they going to pull Jeter? Uh, how's it all going to work? And then... Better than anything that could have ever, ever possibly been scripted. The Orioles hit two home runs, score three runs, tie the game, sending it to the bottom of the ninth where Jeter was scheduled to bat. And lo and behold, what happens, uh, but a runner gets to second, and Jeter comes up with the winning run on second, and with the first pitch, it's his classic grounder to the right side which he's done throughout his career, gone opposite field. And what then happened was just truly just the perfect ending. You, you could not invent or script anything better than this, where it was just genuine emotion over a walk-off, game-winning hit, and just fabulous theater. Uh, amazingly, it was Jeter's... First walk-off win hit since 2007, seven years, hard to believe. Equally amazing, it was the first game he's played at Yankee Stadium where they were not in contention for a playoff spot. That's just incredible. But the upside of that was simply that it uh, 
allowed him to have the stage pretty much to himself. And really what a stage it was. Yankee fans were great, uh, chanting Derek Jeter throughout the night. And it was just, again, uh, yeah, as good as it gets. You know, nothing like, a, you know, the raw emotion. I guess what they was had planned was that they were going to have Jeter, probably going to pull him from the field in the ninth with two outs. And then they were going to have him circle the field. And then when he got out to left field, they were going to have uh, the core four, as they call them, which, of course, is Mariano Rivera, Jorge Posada, and uh, Andy Pettit, uh, who won a bunch of championships with him, uh, come out and meet him out around left field. And then, you know, go from there. Joe Torre, of course, was there. And uh, that would have been good, but wouldn't have even been close to just simply the genuine emotion felt with having a walk-off hit in his last at-bat at Yankee Stadium and uh, experiencing that emotion with his teammates, the way they mobbed him out between first and second base, the way he leaped in the air when the winning run was scored. Again, that's the way it should be. If only uh, all retirements could uh, end this way, uh, sports would be a better place. But again, Jeter, whether it be his, you know, hitting a home run for his 3,000th hit uh, and on and on and on, uh, he just has a flair for the dramatic, maybe unlike anything we've ever quite seen in sports. It's just, uh, again, back to my original statement at the beginning that he just leads this charmed sports life and uh, never more in evidence. I, of course, am based here in Boston, a mere half hour from Fenway Park. Lots of excitement uh, with him coming to town this weekend. Seats for Derek Jeter's last ever game on Sunday here at Fenway Park. Prices are off the charts. Anticipations off the charts. I, of course, immediately wondered last night, like, well, is he going to play? Uh, given his uh, drama from last night, but I think you can just put him in two separate buckets. Perfect way to end at Yankee Stadium last night. And now uh, his biggest rival, the Red Sox, are going to give him, uh, and their fans are going to give him quite a send off. He did say he will play in some capacity. Doesn't sound like he's going to play at shortstop. I like that. He said he wanted his final view to be the one from Yankee Stadium. That's great. So uh, he will be uh, DHing, I guess, on Sunday or pinch hitting or something. Uh, and it will be quite a scene at Fenway Park. Uh, as you listeners know from over the years, I have a friend, a season ticket holder, who has often taken me into Red Sox-Yankees games, fifth row at the visitors on deck circle. I love to tell this story where Jeter uh, forever, for 20 years, has come over and chatted with the people, myself included, who are right near the visitors on deck circle before every at bat. It can be the, you know, when he was leading off the game uh, as the leadoff hitter, or it can be, you know, Top of the ninth with two outs and, uh, you know, in a tie game or, or behind with a critical at bat upcoming. And it's just always been the same pleasant banter, interaction, 
He just always comes over and just talks to the people right there at the visitors on deck circle. I've heard of heard him speak many times to the fans, and it's just uh, a wonderful memory, and and even more so today, knowing it's coming to an end. And uh, I've always been a big fan of Derek Jeter, even during the height of the contentious Red Sox rivalry. And uh, but you can throw that out the window this weekend. It is going to be nothing but applause uh, and positives for Derek Jeter at Fenway Park, just like it was last year for Mariano Rivera. Uh, And so it should be exciting. My bizarre story of the week was Jameis Winston coming out in his uniform before the game. This guy is, uh, you know, with each passing day, seems to just be showing us he's cut from a different cloth. I, I just don't know where where it all comes from, seeing Jimbo Fisher, the coach's reaction on the sidelines, the back and forth. Uh that they had, and then he, of course, goes out, puts his pads away, and goes back out in, quote, street clothes. Uh, but again, it's uh, <laughs> he's a fascinating guy to watch, to put it mildly. And if I had to pick an upset special of the weekend, I would keep my eyes closely on tomorrow's game on ABC. <clears throat> Florida State at NC State at 3.30 Eastern Time. North Carolina State is undefeated, 4-0. Great rushing attack. The game is in North Carolina. And given all that's gone on, I wouldn't be shocked if if NC State gives them all they can handle and maybe even pulls the upset and uh, ends the winning streak, which Clemson basically had every opportunity to do and just could not close the deal against Jameis Winston's backup last week. My low light of the week was last night's Washington Redskins performance, specifically Kirk Cousin in the Thursday night football game on CBS. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, the Redskins at this point just have to be wondering, what, what do we do next? We all know the RG3 story. We all know the Kirk Cousin story. A lot of people wanted him uh, as the quarterback before uh, RG3 was even hurt again. So watching that was just uh, incredible. Uh, four interceptions in the second half by Kirk Cousins, who just shocked me because I've never perceived him as that kind of guy. I, I've always put him more in the, quote, game manager kind of category, which usually means uh, limited turnovers. He also uh, had a fumble. So just really uh, the Redskins are truly at a crossroads and not a good one right now wondering uh you know what do they do next really i'm not sure who the third quarterback is it might be rex grossman so uh could be seeing rex if if indeed he is the number three quarterback for them my event of the week that i attended was the patriots raiders game the home opener for the patriots last sunday great game raiders gave the patriots all they could handle and went right down to the final minute. Uh, Derek Carr was very impressive, to say the least. Rookie coming into Gillette Stadium and doing what he did was very impressive. And uh, to have the game end on a deflected pass from Derek Carr that popped up into Vince Wilfork's hands, of all people, not that he hasn't had turnovers before, was uh, 
a spectacular way to end the game from the Patriots' point of view. Gillette Stadium was rocking. Weather was beautiful. Felt like Florida. Warm day with, you know, Florida-type clouds. Uh, so it was just great. Uh, everybody out in shorts and whatnot. So just a great way to get the season started up here in New England. So now, as my former co-host, Lee Mont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, John, pretty good. Down here in the south in beautiful weather, hope for another fine football weekend. Yes, well, I know you had a good one last weekend, uh, you covered the Alabama 
Florida game in Tuscaloosa. Great game, you know, just full of tremendous offensive plays right from the start. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, the game opened with a, what, something like an 87-yard <laughs> touchdown. But I'll let you talk about it. it. It was great to watch on TV. I'm sure it was even better being there. Yeah, John, when they came out, I think it was like five wideouts to open backfield, and Kenyon Drake, a speedy running back, was set to the right, and he took off down the field, and Blake Sims launched that pass, and next thing you know, he caught it, and he's out running the defenders, and the place is going wild. The first you know, initial play call for Lane Kiffin, some trickeration, worked to perfection, and uh, after the game, the players gave Lane Kiffin total credit for that call, and so did Nick Saban, he was kind of gloating the fact that he had made that hire, and uh, proud of his offensive coordinator, so Alabama, you know, their potent offense, they, that was the second best offensive day in the history of the school, John, believe it or not. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's amazing, and, I did not know that. Yeah, they uh, there was 800 and something yards many years ago against Virginia Tech, but this one was ended up being 672. And uh, what happened was uh, Blake Sims set a single game record for total yardage, and initially they had him down for uh, a certain amount, but they had to give him credit because they docked him 33 yards in error in a fumble play. So he he's, uh, has the best all time single yardage game in his history of Alabama he passed Scott Hunter Scott Hunter had that record at one point so uh, not only did, did Blake set a record uh, that day but Amari Cooper he continues to blister opposing secondaries he had another double digit reception day and John he's already caught 43 passes this season he only caught 45 all of last year 43 in three or four games? Yeah, four games, and uh, he's leading the nation over 10 receptions per game, and he now holds the, the, the school's career touchdown reception record with 20. Wow. And that surpassed the record of Dennis Holman. He's an All-American Al- Alabama. He was a target of Kenny Stabler back in the 60s. So That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Uh, and Saban this weekend in his press conference he was saying all along, you know, I've wanted my offensive coordinators to open up the offense. And finally, I think we have somebody who's paying attention to my request. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's Lane Giff- Kiffin's way of saying thanks to Nick Saban, I think, for, you know, basically uh, helping to resurrect his reputation, shall we say, after three not-so-good head coaching stints but now he is uh you know i mean i've been hearing this week i'm sure you have too that people talking about lane kiffin becoming saban's successor which frankly just totally surprised me i i I didn't get that at all i mean to me you know well i don't want to speculate i i really just put no stock in that story i I, I didn't get that one at all uh let's just say i don't put any stock in that story None it, whatsoever. It, it, it just it, doesn't. It's fun to, to read about it, maybe perhaps and entertaining, but I don't, I don't uh, particularly think that will be the case. No, and if ever, ever, a story was quote premature, springing from nothing, literally nothing, but Lane Kiffin, you know, off to a good start here in his first four games as OC. This is that story. There's just nothing. There's nothing there. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you agree, but I, that's certainly how it struck me, to, to put it mildly. 
I think so. Right. I mean, yeah, you know. But all credit to Saban, you know, uh, and to Lane Kiffin, you know. I, I think this, you know, with the, the numbers we're racking up and Blake Sims now having the best game ever as quarterback in the history of Alabama, things like that. I mean, it can begin the process of Lane Kiffin, you know, being looked at in a different light. Uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? Well, what he's done on the offensive side of the ball is is a whole lot in a short time. And then hearing your quote, you know, hearing you report what Saban said uh, even adds to the story. So good stuff down there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, John, I mean, and you have to consider the quarterback, this is his first year to be a starter. And to to rack up those type of numbers in production is, uh, I, I mean, I just, you just can't fathom the, the nature of uh, Blake Sims having that type of year as a fifth-year senior, first time as a starter and leading this team. I mean, considerable amount of pressure, as always, when you're the Alabama quarterback, but especially in the Nick Saban era where they've won the championships. Now, you're just not talking about winning games. You're, you're looking for that ultimate goal. So for Blake Sims to perform what's supposed to be against a good defensive team, uh, they, he made him look silly. Oh, yeah, especially with the specter of Jason, Jacob Coker, uh, you know, coming over from Florida State. And I think a lot of people, and we certainly talked about it on our show, just assumed, you know, he would be the starter. And uh, so, yeah, it's just amazing that, uh, you know, nobody was talking about Blake Sims in the offseason. Everybody was talking about Jacob Coker. And now to see them, uh, you know, to see Sims doing this is amazing. And, of course, can't get help but to compare and contrast that with watching, you know, the backup quarterback at Florida State last Saturday night against Clemson uh, with Jameis Winston's suspension. You know, being, uh, you know, Jacob Coker is sitting there as a backup to Sims, and here the backup for Florida State gets to play. It's not Jacob Coker. Uh, who would knows? I mean, they won the game, so who, but I'm just saying, who knows what would have happened with, uh, you know, with Jacob Coker coming off the bench. I, I think that might have been an easier victory, but, you know, uh, the white... The what might have been from college football, right? Oh my goodness! Yeah, that that uh, scenario would have been interesting to watch uh, last Saturday evening with Jacob Coker as a starter. Sure, it's you know a good opponent, Clemson. So, but it didn't happen, and you know that's college football. One minute you're, you know, you're at one school, next minute you're at another school. That's what happens. Yeah, well, Jacob Coker, you know, when we talked about this, you know, so far the football gods have not smiled on him. Uh, but he will be back next, you know, he, he'll be returning to Alabama next year where he might get his shot. Uh, but let's take a minute and talk about that Florida State Clemson game. I mean, great game, number one. Bizarre, number two, with, of course, Winston coming out. Uh, in his in full pads, much to the chagrin of Jimbo Fisher, one of those classic "how does this stuff happen" moments, and, uh, and then Clemson just, you know, having every opportunity to win that game and just not being able to do it, and of course fumbling at the end to basically hand them the victory. Yeah, and John, in this day and age of communication, I mean, how 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 does that not? How is that not expressed clearly to the player that he's not supposed to be in full dress uniform? 
I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a lost art now to communicate eyeball to eyeball. I, I don't know. It's, it's beyond words. I think I can't comprehend someone misunder- having that misunderstanding. Exactly. Cannot comprehend it. And I think you could add that to the list of, you know, things about Jameis that you cannot comprehend, period. And I touched on this at the beginning of the show, and it just continues to be a, you know, a head shaker with the <laughs> stuff that this guy does. And yeah, well, you know, and on that topic, you and I had a pretty good week last week because we talked about a couple of things that uh, both kind of turned out to be true. The first being that you and I both strongly believed that the half game suspension which was initially imposed on Winston, was a joke. And, of course, uh, the, that night, literally that night, last Friday night, it was changed to a one-game suspension, totally appropriate, you know, him coming out in pads notwithstanding. And then uh, <laughs> but the other game we talked about, and, boy, you know, we, I, I won't say that we necessarily called the upset per se, but we just said a game really worth watching and we're, was intriguing was, of course, Mississippi State's domination of LSU in, in uh, Tiger Stadium. You just don't see that. I don't know that I've ever seen any visiting team, including in Alabama, come in and dominate LSU like that at home on a Saturday night. No, you rarely see that occur, John. In Mississippi State, I, you know, I guess they're a force. They're, people have been saying it about them, and, you know, I, I wanted to see a game like that against a top opponent, and and uh, and see if they could, you know, get the upset, especially on the road. When you defeat any SEC te- team on the road, a top team like LSU, you're you're uh, a contender. I mean, because LSU's a big, physical, fast team, and and they dominate them right from the beginning, and then they held on. You know, LSU's credit; they tried to make a good comeback, and they almost did. Yeah, well, it was really fascinating to watch, you know, and I did watch. Uh most of that game in that, you know, switching back and forth, of course, with, you know, Clemson, Florida State, among others. And, uh, you know, that quarterback for Mississippi State is impressive. And, you know, we, of course, talked about just how Mississippi State's always been, quote, a poor sister, second sister, if you will, and even in the state of Mississippi, let alone the SEC. But, boy, maybe maybe this is finally their year because what they did is – the type of game that can launch a season, to put it mildly. Oh, yeah, that gives you all the confidence in the world. I mean, uh, I think in that division, there's at least five or six teams in that SEC Western Division in the top 25. I mean, one week you, you're going to beat LSU. Well, you know, the next week you've got to take on another uh, top 25 team in your own division which is, I don't know if that's ever occurred, John. I, I didn't look up the statistics, but uh, almost having the whole division in the top 25, it's unheard of, I believe. Totally unheard of. Uh, well, put it this way, if anywhere that Mississippi State goes with the rest of the season will be well-earned if they are winning games because they are going against, as you just said, the stiffest competition in the country. So, again, it was just amazing to watch, you know, and, and just... Finally, before we close out the segment, uh, at the end of the first segment, I said, you know, this NC State-Florida State game tomorrow in Raleigh 
could be interesting viewing. I, you know, NC State's 4-0. They're at home. Florida State, you know, who knows how this whole distraction thing is going to play out, uh, you know, with the suspension and all that with Jameis. So uh, that's going to be, a, you know, that game's on my uh, upset watch, to put it mildly. Yeah, John, you know, they've played each other um, over 30 times, and it's gone back and forth uh, the last bunch of years. Uh, you know, uh, Florida State, uh, you, normally you think they're going to dominate a team like NC State, but for some reason there's like this hex they have every time they play the Wolfpack. And uh, so, you know, they, they lost and they won and they lost and they won, that, and that's the last four years. So it's not a given, even though they had strong teams those all the, all through those years. Something about uh, you know going to Raleigh it uh, gives them the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Definitely not a given. NC State's good; they're at home, and if ever Florida State was ripe for an upset, I do believe that could be tomorrow. So we shall see. With that said, uh, it's time for our break and. Lots more college football on the other side to talk about. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we're, as always, talking a little college football. And one game that intrigues me 
is uh, that Texas A&M-Arkansas game. Speaking of the SEC West, as we were in the previous segment, uh, that should be a good game tomorrow. Yeah, no, Arkansas is is definitely making progress, John. I, I believe they can run against the Pittsburgh Steel Curtain defense. Right. I mean, they have a, a, a bunch of running backs and, you know, big linemen, and Brett Bielema's brought that power game to the SEC. Um, and so A&M, you know, they said they're going to be a tougher defensive team, uh, more physical. Well, this is a game that they can, the, the uh, effort can match the words. Right, right, absolutely. Um, I believe that game might be played, uh, scheduled for Jerry World, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, okay, and uh, yeah, they're, I mean, they're the two highest-scoring teams, uh, you know, in the SEC. That just says it all right there. And, yeah, yeah I, I think and, it's going to be fascinating. In a- A&M, you, you want to see uh, that quarterback again, how well he's going to play. I mean, he... Yep, Kenny Hill. He, um, he dazzled everybody in his debut. Um, Down in South Carolina, correct. So... Um, how how will A and M defend that powerful running game? That's that's a key, and will Arkansas be able to defend that quarterback? He plays wide open. Yeah, I mean, when I think of A and M, even of course going back to Johnny Manziel, uh, meaning the pe- previous couple of years, uh, I I just when I think of them, I just think of them winning by shoot by winning shootouts. <laughs> yeah, that's just my perception. I expect no, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> To be the same, you know, it's just they outscore people, not unlike Baylor, and that's just how, you know, I perceive them. Yeah, they're the Baylor of the SEC, or is uh, Baylor the Texas A&M of the Big 12? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Another big SEC game, and they're all big, it seems. Every game is just so, has just such a marquee feel to it. Uh, Missouri at South Carolina. Um... You know, I, I just think that's going to be intriguing. Uh, I find that with each game that Steve Spurrier coaches, meaning he's getting a little older each game, not that you'd know it, but, you know, it's like I say about Tom Brady and watching him play, you know. I treasure each one as they come along. I, I don't take them for granted anymore, and tomorrow's a good one with Missouri. Yeah, he, he's kind of challenged his team, I believe, Steve Spurrier, talking at his press conference. He's- so uh, he said something, I'm paraphrasing, of course, about, well, we'll see if we can get him to play, and I don't know if we can, and maybe they're not that good or something to that effect. So he, he laid down the gauntlet to the South Carolina team. I guess there was two kickoff returns in that Vanderbilt game. He wasn't too happy. Um, so in Missouri, I, I think that it was disappointing to everyone how they lost to Indiana last week. Shocking. So, you know, yeah. So, I, you know, I think they um, – you know the quarterback is Missouri's quarterback's from Indiana, if I remember correctly. So, boy, that must have been a tough pill for him to swallow. And that was at home in Missouri to boot. Right, right. So, you know, Columbia. You, you got to carry the SEC water better than um, one of the lower echelon teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, well, the Big Ten certainly needed, you know, to win a couple of out of conference games, and they did to their credit after having a rough beginning of the season there. But you know. Uh, again, you know, but nobody was looking for this one. That's for sure. That's one of the shockers of the young college football season, to be sure. Oh, oh yeah, it was, it was a great win for Indiana. It sure was. And, but, you know, I, I, I suspect South Carolina 
probably win this game at home. I would agree. I would agree with that. You know, you could make the case that Missouri could be reeling. It's always tough to to figure these things out. Are they going to come in with the mission because they lost, or is this the beginning of, you know, a bad slide for Missouri? Uh, we'll know a lot more about this time tomorrow. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and. Some interesting games in the Pac-12. Let's start with last night's game where UCLA just lit it up against out in Arizona. Um, you know, Arizona jumped out to like uh, Arizona State jumped out to like I believe a thirteen nothing lead, and the final was like sixty-two to something, which means UCLA scored outscored them sixty-two to to ten or something like that from the first quarter on and long, exciting plays, including a 95-yard pick six at the end of the first half uh, by UCLA. That quarterback looks fabulous, by the way. Yeah, John, it, it's hard to uh, figure UCLA, but those first bunch of games, they just underachieved and just were struggling so badly. Be, you know, their offensive line gave, gave up a lot of sacks last year, and I think that continued the first bunch of games. And then all they have, all of a sudden, on the road, have this 62-point explosion. Uh, I know. I, I mean, are they going to be a team that's really up one weekend, and the next weekend it's back to mediocre? I, I don't know. We'll have to watch that, at, you know, because they, they were supposed to be a contender for that league. So let's see what happens um, going forward. Yes, yes, it uh, most certainly will be interesting. Uh, and some of the marquee Pac-12 games tomorrow, uh, Stanford at Washington should be a good one. Um, Stanford has, you know, struggled a bit with their loss to USC, but, you know, I think they're going to be heard from in the end, needless to say. Yeah, I think so. They're they're on a roll, not, you know, winning, you know, the last bunch of years, so... You know, I think they'll recover from that SC loss, and you know, you like to look for them to be in contention now with David Shaw at the helm. So I would think they would they'd win that game. Absolutely, and uh, another one: Oregon State at Southern Cal. Southern Cal still needing to bounce back from the game that I was lucky enough to attend, which was Boston College's upset of. Southern Cal uh, a couple weeks ago, and so that's going to be interesting to see as well. Oregon State, you know, quality team. Yeah, they have good quarterback play, and uh, you know, Mike Riley, the coach at uh, Oregon State, he coached at USC a couple times as a coordinator, so he always gets up for that that event. And uh, USC, you know, sometimes they tend to be a front-running team, so I don't know how down they are after that, uh, you know, after that situation. But uh, Oregon State, pretty, pretty tough team. Oh, absolutely, the Beavers. And uh, speaking of Boston College, uh, Colorado State is coming in here to BC, and uh, it was just interesting in that I watched. I guess it was the season opener, Colorado State at Colorado right. in Boulder meaning, you know, uh, uber rivalry, to put it mildly. And uh, 
Colorado State won that game in Boulder, which is something I'm sure hasn't happened too often over the years. And so uh, that should be an intriguing matchup as well. Colorado State is one of those, uh, you know, up-and-coming teams, you know, not not one that you necessarily think of as a football power, but, you know, they go into Boulder and win this year. And, uh, yeah, and BC obviously beat USC, then beat University of Maine, no surprise there. And uh, that should be a good game. That really should be. Yeah, that's uh, Jim McElwain, uh, John, the former offense coordinator at Alabama, won that, that title against Texas with Jim. So he's you know, doing good things with that program. And but, but what's interesting, I think, about that game is it's one of those early East Coast games, John. Uh, so the, the West Coast team coming East playing early, how will that affect their performance? Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, you, you just never know there. And uh, speaking of East Coast games, another one that's, of course, intriguing is Notre Dame. At Syracuse, uh, I believe that game might be at MetLife tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Right, um, MetLife Met Giants game. play. And uh, you know Notre Dame, they they they'll have a big crowd. You know, it's it's interesting for that game, John. Is the, the crowd of all those Syracuse people from New York, and of course Notre Dame has a big fan base in the in that greater you know, tri-state area. So. Uh, I'm wondering how many fans be with the, the, the Fighting Irish and how many with the, with the uh, Orangemen. Yeah, that'll be great. Subway alumni from Notre Dame. They're legendary and no more, no, no more legendary anywhere than the New York City area, as we all know. So, uh, so yeah, that's going to be great. And, and Notre Dame's been scoring you know, 30 points a game minimum, so their offense is, is uh, uh, playing very well and... Uh, Syracuse, uh, you know, they, they had a tough loss uh, last week against um, Maryland, so they're looking to bounce back. Absolutely. Um, well, <clears throat> should be a good weekend, as always, for college football, and uh, so we have a lot more to cover on the other side, so let's take our break now, and we'll talk a little more football on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday 
at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the Ryder Cup this weekend. It only comes around once every two years. I've been watching it all day. Set up the DVR at 2.30 in the morning. And uh, I love when I can wake up in the morning and just start watching things like the Ryder Cup or the British Open or Wimbledon, whatever it is going on over in Europe, and AP, what do you think about the Ryder Cup? You and I have covered a lot of golf tournaments together. Oh, yeah, it's always fun to, to watch that uh, take place, John. It's a pride situation for the United States, and I, I think it's, it, it galvanizes all those golfers, and it gives uh, the golfing world and the golfing fans something to cheer about. Be, you know, it, it's in, it's it's unique to that sport, so you don't see it all the time. You know, normally you're just pulling for one person, but to have that uh, that team unity and then the, the countries, you know, the, you know, competing against each other, it's uh, it's great. It is, it is, and <clears throat> the latest update really just ended the second set of today's matches. Europe leads five to three. Day one is over, and it was thirty-six holes for everybody. Uh, two different formats, and uh, Europe was favored, so they do have the lead, and uh, which is interesting because the U.S. held the lead after the first round this uh, this morning. So over in Scotland, the shots of Scotland have been breathtaking, to put it mildly. What a beautiful spot, uh, as befitting the birthplace of golf. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's it's. it's, it's spectacular you know it's going to be fun it's going to be a fun weekend uh you know i like the way it sets up um and yeah i was at the 99 Ryder cup here at uh, the country club in nearby brookline massachusetts uh and it's one of my top sports memories of my life especially the final round sunday the famous justin leonard putt i was there i'll never forget it so and then I don't think anybody who either watched or attended Medina two years ago will ever forget that. Uh, bottom line, the U.S. made the greatest Ryder Cup comeback on the final day ever in 1999. And then Europe surpassed that uh, here in America at Medina near Chicago two years ago. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's a special weekend, period. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, all the golf fans. I mean, anybody who is interested in sport would definitely be watching. Exactly. And speaking of special, I started off the show AP talking about Derek Jeter having a walk-off hit to win 
the game last night, a walk-off hit in his final at-bat at Yankee Stadium in the bottom of the ninth. I was watching live. It was special is the word. It was uh, so consistent with Jeter's career, his flair for the dramatic, uh, the way the Yankees blew a 3-1 lead in the top of the ninth which is, you know, enabled Jeter to be able to come to the plate in the bottom of the ninth. The man leads a charmed existence, to put it mildly. John, uh, uh, he's a sports writer's dream. Uh, you know, if you've ever had a chance to speak to him and watch his career unfold through the years, as you stated correctly and uh, accurately, he has the flair for the dramatic and you know the Yankee captain. If you if he dreamed that the night before, I don't think it was as good. Nothing could have been better than what he did, other than just a home run. But you know, walk off <laughs> is a walk off. It would have been the same. It was a a walk off game winner. Period. In his last at bat at Yankee Stadium, it was so perfect. It superseded what they had scripted because uh, it was all genuine. You know. Jeter rounds first. The guy crosses the plate. The chosen Jeter between first and second jumps up in the air, arms raised. It was all genuine. It was nothing manufactured. No. It was a walk-off win. Uh, <clears throat> just so perfect. Uh, again, the guy just, he has it, to say the least. You know, John, I think uh, what's uh, fantastic about Derek Jeter is all of the other baseball fans, I, I believe that they all have the highest regard for him. He's one of those uh, players that doesn't, uh, not very boastful, and he just every every uh, game he's trying to give it his best. And I, I think he's something even the opponents, the, the fans from the opposing teams, could admire and embrace. Yeah, and the Baltimore Orioles were great last night. In the uh, you know just standing in the dugout. And by the way, you know, hats off to Buck Showalter. Given the situation where Brett guy got a guy got on base for the Yankees, Brett Gardner was a second batter, lays down a bunt that puts the guy on second, one out. Jeter coming to the plate, obviously, baseball strategy. And by the way, the Orioles are still alive for the best record in the American League, i.e., home field advantage throughout the playoffs. With that at stake. Obviously, the smart, no-brainer move for any manager there is is you walk the next batter to get set up for the double play. Right. But so Buck Showalter, of course, by the way, Jeter's first ever manager, literally the guy who assigned him number two, <laughs> which of course a single-digit number and for the Yankees is, uh, you know, Hall of Fame material, obviously. <laughs> So, you know, I, I mean, there was no question. The announcer, Bob Costas, I, Costas, I mean, touched on it, and I can't blame him. I mean, they were talking all night long. They were, you, you know, and they were right to mention it. Like, would he ever walk him? And, of course, you know, no way. And and he didn't. And, you know, and that cost them. That That's it. I do believe, I read this morning, that as a result of that, that's it. The Orioles now cannot get home field advantage throughout the uh, American League side of the playoffs. So, but, you know, Buck Showalter, you know, wasn't going to cheat history, period, or Derek Jeter for that matter. So good for him. No, yeah. I mean, it's a rare case of him thinking beyond himself. 
and you don't see that in sports much these days, do you, John? You don't. You don't. And Buck Showalter is old school enough, you know. To, uh, <laughs> basically, I, I'm sure he just never considered it. I mean, can you even imagine that? I, that would have been, like, you know, horrible. But I'm sure he never considered it, so I don't, I don't even want to go there. But, you know, he's just, uh, yeah, he has a flair for the dramatic. And uh, I'm sure he was just thinking, you know, well, let's just get let, let's get him out or, you know, whatever. Like, uh, let's just play baseball here and not cheat the man out of, you know, this moment and live with the result. And, and just, again, good for him. You, you know, that's just the way it should have been done. And... Uh, it was great. It was magical. Yeah, and something about it occurring at Yankee Stadium lives forever, John. Yes, totally, totally. Uh, so yeah, I guess all you know. So I, of course, there's a lot of excitement here in Boston, AP, as you would well expect, with Jeter's last game scheduled uh, at Fenway Park on Sunday. Big prices. I mean, the day he announced his retirement, I like within an hour after hearing it, you know, went on the Red Sox website and, you know, those tickets were sold out immediately. Yeah. 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 So uh, people have paid a heavy price. My first reaction when he got the hit last night was, you know, will he, you know, what was he going to play at Fenway because it's such a magical, perfect ending? But, yeah. you know, he did say he is. He's not going to play shortstop, which is cool. Um, he said he wanted his final view from shortstop to be at Yankee Stadium, and so he. But he said he's gonna, you know, participate, which to me means probably DH, maybe pinch hitter. But yeah. So I can, you know, last night put that in a separate bucket, and now he'll have the Fenway experience before an adoring crowd, guaranteed. I would just, you know, what could for me? I just love to see him uh, his final at bat, take one over the Green Monster. It would just be, you know that. And I wouldn't say, and I wouldn't bet against him. No, I wouldn't either, John. I all. sure wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be be on the other side of that. Uh, you know that bet. Yeah, I mean, how perfect would that be to hit one over the fabled green monster in his final at bat against obviously his greatest rival? Uh, that would be that would be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yep. we we shall see, but. Uh, I, I think clearly he is coming to bat on Sunday. I have no idea about tonight or tomorrow, but uh, Sunday's a no-brainer. And like I said, Boston is fired up. This is a big deal up here, as it should be. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, you don't see those kind of players. Those are um, lifetime players. I mean, just legendary figures, and they don't come around every century or generation. They sure don't. And, uh, you know, I'll just close out by... You're referring to your earlier comment about talking to Derek Jeter. I haven't really talked to him, but I did ta talk earlier in the show about, you know, going to well over a dozen Yankee games in the past number of years where, uh, where I sit in the fifth row at the visitors on deck circle. And before every at bat, Jeter always come up and just chatted with everybody sitting within earshot range of which I was lucky enough to be. And uh, so I have great sort of personal memories at the height of the Red Sox-Yankees contentiousness. I've always been a Jeter fan. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how you could not be. With his exactly. Class, you know, class and charisma and the way he's, his temperament. And, you know, and these the athletes these days, all the things going on off the field and 
but he's always been there and been a good captain and been a great representative of the game. Absolutely, and I have great pictures that I was able to take with my iPhone camera without even using a Zoom. That's how close he was. So <laughs> uh, I, I won't be erasing them off my phone anytime soon, if ever. <laughs> no, no. All right, AP. Great job today, as always. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure. Look forward to it next week. Me too. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.